0: To uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, welcome back to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. This is your first time tuning in. Hello, I'm Raj, and I am so excited for you to start off with our wonderful guest, Miss Steph Godro. So, Steph and I met actually back in 2017 before Stay Grounded was even live. And after we met, one, we hit it off and I ended up being on her podcast, which is Harder to Kill Radio. And that's one of my favorite interviews I've still done to date. So, definitely go check that out. But, been trying to get Steph on the show for a while now and it finally happened. So, I'm really excited. So, Anyways, Steph Godrow is a nutritional therapy consultant, weightlifting, and mindset coach. She's also a best-selling author and a new author of The Core 4, which we dive into deeply today. And she has a passion for helping women build their inner and outer strength so they can take up more space. Through the core four, Steph empowers women to ditch their diets, the scales, and exercise as a form of punishment. And her work is really powerful, Story is inspiring, and I could not wait to go down the rabbit hole with her on this incredible episode. So Steph has got a crazy story. She used to struggle with her weight. She struggled with food. She never felt enough. And her inner dialogue constantly reminded her that she wasn't pretty, wasn't smart, wasn't thin enough or good enough, and she bottom line, wasn't happy. Soon or later, she discovered a whole new way of living. And I'm going to dive deep into that on the episode. And it came through diet, actually, by changing her relationship with food. She was able to change her relationship with herself and change her energy levels. And her body, mind, and confidence began to heal after years of pain. And now she helps other people experience the same. So I'm really excited. I mean, we discuss everything from why confidence follows massive action taking and not the other way around, why you don't need to be fearless to create the life you want, the importance of creating space in your life and what space even does for you. Or if you don't know what space means, we dive into that too, how physical strength increases your mental and emotional strength, and so much more. I mean, this episode is recorded live, so a lot of you guys were asking questions live. And I mean, the feedback immediately after episode was insane. So I can't wait for you guys to go deeper and to get to know Steph in this way. And really, Steph's story is inspiring. The way she empowers women and men for that matter to embrace who they are and who they love to create more is why I do what I do. So anyways, hope you guys enjoy this. But if you haven't already, Go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your tool of listening to podcasts are. Let me know what you love about Steph's episode in the reviews or send us messages on Instagram. All the links are available in the show notes, both to her book and to her social media, her podcast, all of it's available. So be sure to check it out. But without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce the wonderful Steph Godreau. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. I'm so excited right now. I I, I can't even tell you how excited I am. Uh, Hi, Steph. Hello. Hey,
1: how are you? It's good to see you.
0: I'm so good. It's been so long. And my gosh, like we were just talking about this before, but I don't know if I ever told you this, but our podcast episode together on your podcast... Uh-huh. Was one of my first ever like legit podcasts that I did after I launched the show. It was like one of the first ones. Like I done a ton of stuff for like Java Press and all that, but after Stay Grounded, really that was that was the first time. So, anyways, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really, really, really excited, and I am just pumped to dive into the rabbit hole and. Now be on the other side of the...
1: <laughs> yeah, the tables have turned, right? tables
0: have turned yes. just a little bit, just, just a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> so anyways, all right, so we'll get started. I already introduced you in all of your glory, but I was reading through your site and I recognized that I actually wasn't very familiar with the core four. So I wonder. I was wondering if we could actually just start there and dive into understanding what the core for is so that we can have a framework and a foundation to then build on and go down whatever rabbit hole we choose to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great question. And when I think about my job and what I do, I always think about my why and my purpose, which is to help women specifically. But I, a lot of the things I talk about are applicable to men. It's just the lens through which I see the world, help women build their strength inner and outer so that they can use their voices, take up space and change the world in whatever way makes sense for them. So then the the what I do to further that why has changed a lot over the years. You know, when I think back to why did I start my blog? Why did I start my then website? Why did I start my podcast? Why did I create programs? It's always been because I really believe that we have so many amazing gifts and talents and things to share with the world. But if we don't feel good in our body, it's really hard to share that with people. We don't have the energy. And so over the years, what I do has shifted a little bit. I started with just a recipe website, and then that translated into helping people learn to implement nutrition and then strength training. And then it became also about the mindset. And as my own training as a nutritional therapist continued, I really started to truly understand like at a gut visceral level, how important this idea of a well-rounded holistic approach to health and wellness is because we can be eating all the, you know, the right foods or all the perfect foods or doing all the, the right exercise or, or whatever we're trying to do. And if there are pieces of this puzzle that are really missing or working against what we're doing, then we're not going to feel better. And I think that's just what people want. They want to feel better in their bodies. They want to feel like they have autonomy and agency over themselves. They want to feel like they're able to make a contribution. And so when I step back to really think about, and this was in 2015, how do I offer that for people to experience? I shifted in that one small way from just offering information about food and recipes to what was then called Healthy, Happy, Harder to Kill, which was three pillars. And it was a program that I put together in 2015. So now we're talking over four years ago. And that really became my signature online program for working with people. And over the years, it's, as most things do, changed and evolved a little bit into four pillars, now named the Core Four program, but the, the foundation is still very similar. So it's eat nourishing foods, move with intention, recharge your energy, and empower your mind. And I really feel like if we have some skill and proficiency in these four areas, not that we're going to be perfect at it, or we're going to do each thing equally, but if we have some skill and some proficiency, we can build the sustainable habits that then allow us to Live out and reach towards something bigger than ourselves, like what is that purpose? what is your why? you know are you able to access that? so helping people address the what so that they can then deal with their own why became the sort of bedrock foundation of the program and you'll notice it's not like it's not called like the be all and all eight <laughs> or something <laughs> like that right yeah. the core core it's like this forms a really great foundation for helping you feel better and improve your strength like work on your sleep, make sure that your mood is good. I mean, all the things that we know go into feeling like we're resilient and strong and we have confidence and we're capable. And so that's really the, the heart of it, but it's not where it ends. Yeah. Right? There's so many other things that go into a, a well-lived life and all the things that people are looking for.
0: Beautiful. And I want to dive into, uh, I guess, the story, because I think your story is pretty powerful. One thing I read on your site that, and it was like a sentence that just stuck out to me. And you said something about the fact that when you nourished your body or when you healed your body, you felt free. Mm. What does that freedom mean? Like when you say free in that context, what does it mean? And how does that relate back to just the why and the why behind the
1: what? I think, you know, when I cast my mind back, to the last 40 years of my life and I think about what are some of the things that I've really struggled with. The, the overarching theme before things started to really change about 10 years ago was I'm not good enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not popular enough. It was like always just never enough. And those thoughts and that, that mind space, you know, how we talk to ourselves really does affect, it affects our physical health. It affects our mental, emotional health. It affects how we see the world. It affects how we, or if we can see things that are potential solutions to our problems, or if we're caught in that kind of matrix of like everything's just crashing down around me, obviously it can extend out to things like disordered eating and, um, you know, mental illness and, and all sorts of things. But for me, it was just this feeling of never being enough and the negative self-talk that came along with that, that kept me focused on and obsessed with like, how do I look? Is my, are my thighs small enough? You know, I don't, oh, I don't look good. Um, if I could just be smaller or skinnier or thinner, then I would be happy and I would feel better. And I would be able to do the things I wanted to do when in reality, I could just go and do the things I wanted to do at any time. But when you're living in that space and it becomes your normal, it's really hard to disassociate from it. And for me, it ended up consuming so much of my energy. I spent so much of my time thinking about food, planning food, planning my workouts from a perspective of trying to micromanage everything so that I could just eke out a lower weight on the scale, or I could just, you know, I ate something that was quote bad and I had to work it off because I didn't want to eat too many calories because then I would be fat and then no one would love me. And then, you know, you to carry this on and on and on. And so for me, at first changing the way I was eating to really focus on nourishment, because I was up to that point only really concerned with, uh, as a lot of people who grew up in the 80s and 90s we're learning, which was like everything needs to be ultra low fat, and you know, we just need to eat as little as possible. And you have know, 1200 calorie diets, and you know, I came from that mentality to one where I was really focused on fueling myself and nourishing my body and providing it the substrate that it really needed. And of course, dealing with some other things like I basically had reactive hypoglycemia, and I would eat, and then a couple hours later or an hour later, I'd feel like I was gonna fall asleep. I had a lot of problems with blood sugar management. My digestion was kind of a wreck. My skin wasn't great. And so I just had all these things going on with me, coupled with all this negative self-talk. And I got to this point of being so in it, learning to then nourish myself with food and then build strength in my body. I came from endurance sports where a premium is placed on your body size especially because the smaller you are, the fact you look at a Tour de France rider, and this is an extreme example, but they are tiny men <laughs> that, that race the Tour de France at elite levels because the smaller you are, the more power you can generate on a bike. And this is just one example, the faster you go up hills and the more likely you are to win. And so I was in a sport that was really not conducive to exploring these other parts of how yeah. I could be in the world. And so the freedom finally came when... I was able to enter this other aspect of fitness and really work on my physical strength, which then translated into mental resilience and working with that negative mindset to learn how to offset it. And the body obsession really dying down over time, again, because I was changing up the inputs. And I I realized how much of my time and energy had been focused on obsessing about all of that, the food, the, the movement, what my body looked like. And I was like, wow, I have spent so much of my life focused on this other stuff that really yeah. paid no dividends. Yeah. And the freedom that I got from that was the freedom to then realize that I could help other people exit this cycle and as long as I was in the cycle, then I, I couldn't help anybody else because all of my time and energy was devoted to this like focusing and obsessing on myself and you know how I looked and all this other stuff. And I finally it felt like, wow, without this amount of worry and anxiety and negative self-criticism and, and all of that stuff, wow, like there's so much more that I could do that I enjoy. And it can help other people. And at some point, and there's this really you know, famous quote, me to we, right? At some point it became, how can I help other people? And I realized how small I had been living with my life. So that freedom was very expansive, right? There was growth, there was this new opportunity to experience life in a different way.
0: It's almost like The small wins, the small changes, whether it was the way you were looking at food, the way you were focusing on strengthening your body, as opposed to the physical appearance, like you were doing things that were building confidence. Confidence was the key building block, right? Like, I mean, it, like everything came together through a form of confidence. How do you cultivate confidence in your life from where you were to where you are now? Like, How has confidence been a pillar in your journey?
1: That's such a huge question. And I'm really glad you asked that because a lot of people want to know, they're just like, well, you seem real confident. I'm just not there yet. And I have to say that, you know, we have this model, you know, you, sometimes you learn things through experience and you're like, oh, I, this idea really coalesced in my brain. And then you you're like, oh, there's this like famous concept in psychology of this thing. You're like, oh, like that's been there the whole time. How didn't I know this? (laughs) I feel, I feel this way. Um, so I began to realize that so many of us operate life based on this premise, that we wait to feel confident. And when we feel confident enough, which by the way, it's like we never feel confident enough. So we're always waiting around, waiting around, waiting around. We're waiting to do the thing, to say the thing, to take this action, whatever it is. We're waiting for this like confidence, like it's going to come down like Thor's lightning bolt and just strike us and we're going to feel, oh, I feel confident enough now to go and do that thing. (laughs) And sometimes confidence is just a matter of gathering information. I mean, there are some pieces that, that can go into it, right? Then we're going to feel the thing and then take the action. But in reality, I see this as a loop. Instead of just, you feel a certain way, you feel confident and you take the action, it works the other way around. And that is you take the action and then you feel confident. And then when you feel confident, you take the action and it becomes this self-propelling loop of, I take, you know, this next step, which could be the action. And then I build a little bit more confidence, which then makes me feel like I can take the action. So instead of viewing the entry point to this as I'm going to wait around for the feeling to strike me on this random day, this Wednesday and, you know, at the end of May, I'm finally going to feel confident. Instead, we take the next most logical step. I'm a huge fan of chunking things down, right? Chunk it down, smaller, smaller, smaller. You know, I think about, you know, if you can imagine a boulder the size of your house, you're not going to be able to move that rock. The amount of weight and friction that's present there is too much for one person to overcome. But if we're able to break that rock up into a small rock you can carry, well, then you can actually move it. And I feel like so many of us build up these things in our minds. Of you know, I want to do this thing, but I don't feel confident enough. And it's like, let's just take the next most logical step. So an example would be a lot of the, a lot of the, the talk in my community right now is around like, as it's warmer in the Northern hemisphere is like showing more skin as in wearing shorts when you would normally cover up because you're ashamed of the way you look and you don't want to inconvenience anybody with the sight of your body. I mean, we talk a lot about body image, But an example would be, okay, well, instead of just going from completely covering up to like you're gonna wear the tiniest bathing suit known to mankind, for a lot of people that jump is too much. So maybe you start by wearing shorts around your house or wearing shorts out to do an errand, like go to the post office, or you know, an environment where you feel is a little bit more neutral and then working your way up to that. So you you take the next step, you do the thing, you're like, oh, I didn't die. Okay. I'm still here, nothing happened, I feel more confident now, and then you take the next most logical step. And so I think for us to believe that confidence is like this thing that we just have to wait around to to be struck with is kind of disempowering for a lot of people because they're like, why am I just not feeling it? Instead, to realize that, in, in fact, we can create that and generate that for ourselves completely flips the system on its head and gives us the agency and the power to say like, okay, I can do this thing. It doesn't always have to be the big jump, like the big giant monolithic boulder. It can be something small. But as long as we're in in inaction, we're not moving, we're not acting, then we can't expect to feel the effects of we did this thing, nothing bad happened. We actually enjoyed it. Like it was pleasurable or it was neutral even. And therefore I feel like, okay, now I have that. I have built that next level and then I can continue to take action forward.
0: So many questions. (laughs) What I love about this is, you know, I'd always thought about the boulder or the rock in forms of goals. Mm. Things we're shooting for, whether it's in work or in our health or whatever. But you broke down the boulder being self-image. Like, I mean, even something as simple as the way you feel about yourself in public can be a boulder that's broken down into smaller chunks that can allow you to build the confidence to, to go about Then feeling good about yourself. And then you do it more and you do it more. So I love the concept of bouldering kind of being used in every aspect of not only our emotional health, but also our physical goals, the things we want in all of it. I have a question. Why do you think action creates confidence?
1: This is the key of this all. And I think this is a good time to mention it. So the next thing that people often, they're like, okay, I follow the logic, but I'm really afraid to take action. I'm really afraid. And, you know, where does fear come from? Fear is normal. It's natural when we're butting up against something that is outside of our comfort zone, that's new to us that potentially we've tried in the past and has had a negative outcome. And so it's just a learned response, right? That this thing is scary. Fear is there to say, hey, there's this thing. You might want to pay attention now. Like you could get hurt. It could be, you know, it could be impactful for you in a negative way. So I think there's a lot of talk in the self-development world about fearlessness. And I think that that can set up a really problematic dynamic for people because they're like, well, again, I, okay. So, all right, Steph, you're saying I need to take action. I'm going to chunk it up. But even that really chunked up thing is really scary. Yeah. And I don't want to take action if I'm scared. And I'm here to tell you that the people you see in life who you perceive are the most successful or they're able to overcome hard things. They're not generally fearless. They are people who feel the fear. They recognize that if they take this action, they can deal with that amount of fear and they're going to do it anyway. It's not that you're fearless in all things. And I think that that's another perceived stumbling, like it's a stumbling block for a lot of people because they're like, well, that's great. Like Raj, you're fearless in, you know, in the area of business or you're fearless in this particular aspect. Like for me, like you're fearless walking into a gym, full of guys. And I'm like, well, it doesn't mean I, I don't have pause. And it doesn't mean if I was walking into a new environment, I wouldn't feel some amount of fear. But I've also learned to recognize the fear, to thank that fear for alerting me that this situation could be scary for a variety of reasons and making the conscious choice to say, thank you, but I'm going to continue on with this anyway. So with all that in mind, you know, I think that that's a, an important dovetail, like these two things go together. It's not that we're the absence, that we have the absence of fear in taking action, but we have to move forward. There is value in stasis. There is value in pausing. There is value in being in a comfortable place. And I think, you know, we are all wired a little bit differently, especially for dopamine seeking behaviors. Some people have a, have more risk tolerance than others and being really Mindful of that, and saying like you might have a lot of risk tolerance to certain things, maybe financial things. I have a lot of risk aversion to financial things, and yeah. i you know I recognize that in myself, and that doesn't mean that I don't push back against that fear sometimes in those areas of financial growth, for example. But while you know the opportunity to stop and pause and think and really contemplate is important it's an important skill for us all to learn. Staying stationary does not help us to move forward. It it literally, we cannot move forward. We cannot grow. We cannot change without taking some kind of action in our lives around these different areas. So recognizing that the fear might be part of the process and saying it, you know, and that's where courage comes in. And it does take courage to move forward when you feel afraid.
0: I was about to mention, I was (laughs) going to bring up courage.
1: Yeah,
0: because we were created what 60,000 something years ago, these responses have been around for so long, to think that anybody, no matter how macho, great, small they are, for them to not experience basic human emotions is putting people in a pedestal that doesn't really exist. Because courage is one of those things. That's the decision. That's the decision to take that first step. Maybe it's even the, the courage to break that boulder into smaller chunks. Whatever that might look like, that's courage. I want to talk a lot about courage. I think it's... Uh, I'm really curious on your perspective. But you've mentioned something when you were describing how you interact with fear and you called it space. Um, mm. So what does space look like when you're afraid?
1: Mm. My word for 2019 has been courage, by the way, which is really, you know, love it. Love yeah, it. which is really interesting because people are like, really? Like you've been, you know, you've had your online business for this long. I, been love it. This long. Yeah. I have so many areas where I'm pushing back against my own patterns of, you know, like the behavior or habits that I have in certain areas of my life and challenging myself to have courage. The space, I think, again, is really important in the ability to pause and either think, reflect, like whatever word resonates for you. Because again, I think we have this knee-jerk reaction to a lot of areas in our lives where we're like, I feel this thing, it's really scary, I need to like act right away, or I need to do this thing right away. And I always love this quote, opposite of a great truth is also true, which is, you know, sometimes in our lives, like we really should probably pause and wait. And other times we probably need to stop procrastinating and stop letting the fear stop us and have that courage. So I think again, it's highly contextual depending on the person and the circumstance. But I realized for me that giving space to that fear and, and pausing and saying like, okay, what is this trying to tell me? What have been the things that I've experienced before in my life that are making this response come up? And like, what have I learned as a person? And what am I willing to have courage and and take that next step forward toward? And without that space to do that introspection, I think we oftentimes find ourselves just falling back into those old patterns. So self-awareness and having that ability to pause and listen and be quiet, I think is very, very important, especially because our current societal construct and like everything that goes on is very instant gratification, a very immediate response. I'll give you an example. A lot of the women that I work with in my community are dealing with this concept of people-pleasing. I do this too, but on a different level because I'm an empath and I want to just like help everyone. I'm like, Oh, let me just like collect you and help (laughs) you. And so my boundaries are a bit on the, on the, like, I just want to help everybody side of things. A lot of women also feel like they just have to say yes, because they don't want to disappoint people. And so one of the things I've challenged a lot of my clients to do is when someone asks you to do something, pause. Because our first instinct is to just say like, yes, I'm going to do this thing. And then an hour later, you're kicking yourself because you're like, oh, I really didn't want to do this. It doesn't really fit with my values and what's important to me right now. I just said yes, because I don't want to disappoint people. And so advocating for ourselves and, and pausing or at least just saying like, I'm going to wait on this. I'm going to wait for like an hour to reply, or I'm going to ask this person for a time to think about the answer, or I'm going to say, I think this is more powerful instead of asking is just saying, I'm going to get back to you in 24 hours with my answer. That space allows us to get out of like the, the initial knee jerk reaction of like, I need to respond based on fear. My fear is that this person's not going to like me, or I'm going to disappoint them, or I'm going to let them down. Giving yourself that time to assess the situation and say, is this really what what I want? Is this me setting boundaries or am I letting people walk all over me right now? But again, like texting and like a lot of the communication methods that a lot of people favor right now is all about instant response. Even on social media, we see this um, and, and I've learned some important lessons lately about if somebody, you know, you have an interaction that kind of goes sideways sometimes with someone online just by virtue of it being on social media, allows instant. Like, not only can that person re- reply to you instantly, but other people can then jump in.
0: It's like a giant fish tank.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's like a,
0: a fishbowl. Everybody's looking in. The <laughs> fish are in there, just yeah. get after it. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: like some like it's a bunch of piranhas in there sometimes. Yeah. But but seriously, the sometimes the best thing to do is to take that conversation to perhaps email, where everybody has a chance to stop and pause and think about, is this really what I want to say? And keep it from being something that escalates because other people can see and other people can comment. And then you've got this runaway, runaway train of yeah. stuff that's going so on. So downward slide. Yeah.
0: One of the, actually it's, it's interesting. One of the tricks that I use to create space is actually is breathing. Like whenever I feel overwhelmed, and I know I feel overwhelmed and that takes awareness, of course. But like, I, when I feel overwhelmed, I just kind of sit down and I just... <sighs> that creates then the courage to go and say that thing, whether it's, maybe I don't need to respond to this right now. Or, you know what, I'm going to think on this. I'm going to go take a walk. Or it, the, then, it like, to me, breath comes before that space. And then in that space, no matter what it looks like, the breath is always like the anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, for almost yeah. a surrender in a way. It's like, you know what? Like, I don't need to have control right now. I'm going to surrender to this moment and I'm just going to give myself space. How does the idea of surrendering kind of mm-hmm. in your life? Because I know that there's a, there's a general amount of, you know, go create your life, get after what you want, like make the change, take those small steps. But then there's also the other side, which is kind of letting things unfold letting things happen and being okay with how it's happening. So how do you balance the two?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, just so your point on on breath, like being in that sympathetic dominance where a lot of us live, especially in stressful environments, we're in work or whatever we're doing. And we're like breathing very much from our chest and like not from our belly and our diaphragm. And uh, we're not activating the vagus nerve, which is really the parasympathetic arm of the autonomic nervous system, like it, just that simple act of like relaxing and letting ourselves breathe does tap into that parasympathetic side. So that's, that's a huge way of, of accessing that and it's free and you can do it anywhere, which is really right, right. cool. Um, as far as being able to pause and create, create that space, it is something that the push and the pull between like, I need to go and, and do and I need to create and I need to like forge my own destiny versus I need to just like step back and let things unfold. Again, I think it, it. I think people go in seasons in their life. And I think honoring that's really important. I was just talking on another podcast about creativity and how as business owners or as even as creative hobby pursuits in our lives or whatever that looks like we're constantly creating. And there, there are times where you feel like nothing's happening. (laughs) You know, I can't, I don't feel creative. I'm not having ideas. Like I feel really stuck or nothing's moving forward. And I think it's really important to honor that and to, to realize that the harder we push in those circumstances, oftentimes the less we actually get what we're trying to get. That's number one. Number two is I think and this is going to sound a little bit like out there, but uh, (laughs) I think putting yourself in, in safe situations where you feel small is important. And the easiest way I think to access this is through nature. And I'm not saying you have to go on like the most epic, scary expedition in order to get that feeling. But I think that there is really something to be said about putting yourself in a circumstance where you're like, I'm kind of the low man on this, you know, ranking here in terms of like mother nature, (laughs) like mother nature doesn't give a shit about me. And there's something very freeing in that though, because you're like, oh, all the crap that I've been worrying about, what if I just gave that worry up? And, or like, what if I realized that I have this amazing opportunity to create and do things from a perspective of like abundance and because I really love it, not from a place of I feel like this is a really a a place of scarcity. And I had this experience on um, Mount Rainier about 12 years ago. And I talked about this on a podcast of mine not too long ago, but essentially it was like a super fucking scary attempt to summit Mount Rainier. We slept on the mountain. The weather was absolute garbage and it was one of the scariest experiences of my life. And in the morning when we woke up and I looked out over the Emmons Glacier, which is the largest glacier on the mountain, I was overcome by the feeling that my tiny little speck of a, you know, 155 pound flesh bag didn't quite really matter as much as I was like freaking out that everything that I did had to be perfect. Right. And that like everything I did was like the world revolved around me. And, and so I don't want people to take that the wrong way and go like, life's not worth living or like nothing matters and be very nihilistic, but rather I find that is very freeing. Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff that we worry about, we're like, oh, everybody's thinking about me in this way. You know, a lot of the stuff that we we let stop us is like, what if we just did the thing? What if we did really what's in our heart? What if we really, really created from that that point of view? And so I think that that is an aspect of giving up control over other people's thoughts. So much, like extenuating circumstances, things that we are not really in our control. And that's the essence of being human, right? Is like we want to, we want to be the ones who are calling all the shots. We want to be in control. We want to have this sense of uh, it, it's such a grand illusion in a lot of ways. Yeah. We're we're always on this like knife edge between being in complete control and being in absolute and utter like lack of control yep. with what's going on. And so I think you know having those experiences where you can fully immerse yourself and feel like you get that perspective shift and I'm not saying nature's the only way to do it, but I find like that's one of the easiest ways it is. for me, is to just get out of your own head and go, there's so much more to life. Also like all the little nitpicky shit that I'm worrying about it doesn't really matter. No. What if I did the things that I was really excited about? And then, then I think, like I said, honoring periods of like these seasons in our lives where sometimes we are pushing harder and sometimes we are creating more. And sometimes we will take a step back and we will slow down and realizing that we don't have to be on all the time. We don't have to be creating from that high level all the time, which is really hard to do. And especially in the online space when you're exposed to so much and it looks like you're like, everybody else is doing amazing, crazy things. And like, I'm over here doing, you know, I'm taking a break right now or I'm slowing down purposely right now. It can be really hard to not get sucked into that comparison. One
0: of the things I love about the seasons, I never even thought about the seasons. And I want to just comment on the fact that you are so empathetic with that journey. Like the fact that you're even acknowledging that we have seasons of life where we're super creative and sometimes we have seasons of life where we're just not. And we're just not feeling our best and we need to be kinder to ourselves. Like That takes an enormous amount of really empathy to experience that. And I, and I want to dive deeper into space because I, I think that you have a lot of one really interesting perspectives on on the reason why women in particular need space. Mm. What do you mean when you say you want to empower women to take up space? Is it this type of space, like you're speaking, like creating space for yourself to like be whole, or is it, or is there a different context of space that you're referring to?
1: I think it really is contextual and it really can take many forms. So sometimes I do mean literal space in the sense that the prevailing way to be a woman and have a body, especially in our culture, it looks one way. I mean, if you Google like healthy woman, (laughs) you're gonna find the photos that you find look predominantly a certain way, which is usually thin, white, able-bodied and young. And that's what you know. A lot of people think is the way to be a you know healthy or fit or whatever woman in this world, or um, you know, always deferring to somebody else when it you know it's time to share opinions, or thinking that we haven't earned the the right to be at the table, so to say. So it could be a physical manifestation in the fact that we have an epidemic of dieting in this country that is just like out of control and so damaging to so many people. And I know that what the news wants us to think is our primary problem in this country is, is overweight and obesity. The opposite of a great truth is also true, Raj. Like we also have a, a staggering number of women and men, by the way, it's just that men don't talk about it as openly as women do. Men yeah. suffer from body image issues just as much as women, if not more, and feel really uh like they can't talk about it, which is even more damaging. We have- y- young children right who are like hyper aware of their their bodies, whether it's the messaging that they've absorbed from the media or something your relatives told them or what they you know they saw on t v or for me, it was my stepdad, probably when I was about eight, saying that I was the fat kid like. That stuff stays with you and it may not be the intention, but when we're so young and impressionable, those things really do shape the way we see the world it changes the glasses through which we look at the world. So I really think that, you know, in this country, especially in other countries where the ideal is still, you know, very thin, looks a certain way, maybe it's a certain size of dress or pants or whatever it is. For women to embrace the fact that we're not all going to look that way, it might be a small percentage of people, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with having that body if that's naturally the body you have. But physically taking up more space by stopping this chronic dieting, stopping exercise as punishment, and that's the, like the first line of the book is like, I have this vision that one day little girls will grow up into women who know their worth, take up space, and essentially use their innate gifts and voice. And I think that using your innate gifts and your innate voice is power that is innately powerful. And we don't need to be filled up with that. But by taking up physical space and by taking up space in the corporate world or in the working world, or by taking up space by using that voice to talk about the things that matter to us and not just deferring and saying like, oh, I shouldn't speak my mind or women are supposed to be this particular way. I think that that's empowering. I also don't think that women need to be filled up with power. And I think that this is really problematic because again we're waiting a we're waiting for the empowerment gods to strike us with empowerment and be like now I finally feel like I'm empowered. It's an inside job just like confidence and we have we can leverage that, we can access that. But we've stopped listening to ourselves and I think that that's the biggest problem. So believing that we need to be empowered by other people leaves us more disempowered. So how can we start listening more, right? Getting quiet, creating space for ourselves, really important, nourishing ourselves, all the things that are sort of like in this, this core for world. And then also recognizing that that power is not from external sources. It's ours to create and it's ours to get out of our own way. So really taking up space can be literal, it can be figurative, but I think we're finally seeing that women are more, they feel like they are able to do that more and more. I think we have a long way to go though. And so.
0: Thank you. Yeah. How does physical strength play into that concept of space?
1: Oh yeah. The fact of the matter is if you're going to, you know, strength train, for example, your body may get bigger and I'm not saying you're going to look like the Hulk, because that's what a lot of people think. They're like, oh, I did, you know, sets of five squats. I'm going to be this like masculine looking or unpleasant looking woman. So it's just like, first of all, understanding the conditioning that we've been led to believe, which is again, smaller is better. And that if we do build our physical strength, our body might get a little bit bigger. We might see muscles. But what comes along with that is our. capacity. And I really love the the concept of capacity. Can
0: you expand on that?
1: Yeah. It's our ability to do things, right? Like how capable are we of doing a thing for a lot of women? I, I really think that they're just like, I can't do those things. And the classic example is like, I can't ever do a pull-up. I'm not strong. And if you, if you think about that, like where did that notion come from? we're taught those things. We're taught that women, you know, like somebody said it to us, or we, we learned it from somewhere that like, you just, you can't do a pull-up, you're a girl, girls can't do pull-ups. I don't know about you, but there's something absolutely intoxicating isn't the right word, but there's something that is just so monumental about having the ability to move your body in the way that you want to move your body. And it could be something as you know, I'm using air quotes here, basic as doing a pull-up. It doesn't have to be like, you know, you're gonna go to the Olympics and, and be on like the rhythmic gymnastics team and do backflips. Maybe it is, I don't know. But I think the most basic tasks, can you lift something heavy up? Maybe you wanna carry your kids without back pain. Maybe you want to carry all the groceries in one trip. I mean, I know I do. <laughs> maybe, um, Real world problems. Yeah. Problem. Like maybe you you feel like you want to be able to um, do a pull-up or you want to be able to climb a rope or you want to be able to climb up something. And I think that's why things like obstacle course races are so popular now is because they give people a way to experience the capacity of their own body. You want to be able to squat your body weight. When you feel like you have some agency over your physical body, I can't even describe what it's like. It, it just, you're like, wow, what else can I do? You open up that tap, you open up that like curiosity. Like, I remember when I deadlifted my body weight, I was like, what else could I do? I don't know. That's like, I did an obstacle course. Uh, so we live in San Diego and the, uh, the BUDS obstacle course for the Navy SEALs is right near where we live. And I, be friends of mine that were in the Navy several years ago, they were like, I uh, you want to go do the BUDS course. And I was like, oh, what? Like there's some big, you know, obstacle course stuff there. It's like big, tall, scary shit. And I just thought, you know, um, I was a couple of years into CrossFit and I was like, I don't know if I can do half of this stuff, but I'm going to try. There's one obstacle where you essentially have to jump up and hang and then pull yourself up onto a platform. It's like a muscle up, but you have to be able to do that with your own body weight. There's nothing you can, you can't stand on anything to do it. And I remember doing that and just thinking, okay, like oh, it's, bad, but that's what that's it's, it's on, it's on, like, what else can I do? But just thinking, obviously, if you want to be really like doomsday about it, you could be like, oh, I could, I physically survive in my environment. And nowadays, a lot of us don't have that. Like every day is a literal struggle for survival. And so I think we lose touch with that part of ourselves that feels strong and capable. But, you know, for me, physical strength, then Translates into mental strength and emotional strength. And when you're lifting something hard, or you approach a heavy bar or heavy weight, and you you do it, and you're like, okay, again, like, what else can I do? Also, I didn't die. That was awesome. And it it translates into so many other aspects of your life. I mean, I just I wish that everyone could experience that because it is just so. It just lights you up. It's like nothing else that exists. I just love
0: the idea of, you know, we just said something really interesting. You know, we're so comfortable these days. Like Mm. I think 2019 compared to any point in history, we have never had it easier to survive. Like we have to to just baseline survive. And you're right. Like when, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30,000 years ago, we had to do things physically to survive, which made us feel capable and stay capable we don't have those those influences today so strength training maybe even starting a side hustle or doing something that's forcing you to get uncomfortable is almost like that's like that's compared to what people did 10,000 years ago you're kind of just like doing what they're doing but you're forcing the change upon yourself and that is i mean i I never thought of strength training. I knew that. I, I love the aspect of strength training translating over to mental and emotional strength because I think that it's amazing. But you're right. The, when you see yourself doing something crazy, physically, there's a very visceral experience that you carry with you.
1: Yeah. What was the first
0: thing you did to feel that way about yourself?
1: I remember the first pull-up I did was October of 2010
0: you remember to the date.
1: I do. I remember the month. I, like, I remember where I was. I remember just feeling like, holy shit, I just did something that I truly never thought I could, I was strong enough to do because I, I really did not believe that I could do that. There's this really interesting concept in, in biology called hormetic stress and exercise is a hormetic stressor. The idea is like we experience a punctuated dose of a stressor and we get stronger as a result. We get more robust as a result. Exercise is one example, but so are things like cold exposure and fasting. And, you know, there's like so many examples of hormetic stressors. So I feel like for a lot of people, that's a really easy way to access that. But, you know, how we build strength and resilience is by undergoing periods of stress followed by periods of recovery. That's like literally how we get stronger It's how we build our muscles but again, I think, you know, we live in, um, like you said, in an age where for a lot of us, not everybody, but for a lot of people, like life is pretty easy and we maybe experience a lot of mental stress, but we don't get a lot of recovery from that. Or we're not ex- experiencing enough dose of physical stress in different ways and, and we're not as robust as a result. So it's a really interesting biological concept. But yeah, for me, I think um, the the defining like, oh my gosh, I finally did this was, was that pull up and I still have it on video somewhere and just thinking wow, wow okay I just proved myself wrong and that was awesome and like also I want to do more of that thing. So I think everybody has is like their one thing that they just they wish they could do and when they do that they're like okay what's next?
0: Or even like like things you didn't know you wanted to do but then you do it and then you feel amazing that you did it. Like I remember when I first started um in entrepreneurship I took this course that taught people how to start like software companies from scratch. And one of the things they taught in the course was to cold call people in different industries and ask them what their pains were. I was deathly afraid of (laughs) doing a cold call. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how terrified I was to pick up the phone and call someone I didn't know and ask them for time to do something. I'd like push it off for weeks. And then a buddy of mine was like, dude, you got to do this or else like, you know, we had like a dare situation where I had to do something really embarrassing. (laughs) It was like, you got to shave your head. I don't remember what it was, but it was something bad. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll do this. So I picked up the phone. I called and it didn't even go well. 10 seconds in, I didn't, like. it was just like, okay, yeah. Thank you for your time. Anyways, put the phone down and I will never forget how ecstatic I felt after I did that thing and how good I felt about myself after I did that thing. And the next seven months, I think I made like 1200 cold calls. Wow. I was like, I don't care. Like this is, it feels great. So it's almost like strength is something that permeates everything. And I think it comes back to that one concept we talked about, which was courage. Mm -hmm. Um, Well,
1: you did the thing, you made the cold call. And then you felt a little more confident and you were like, all right, I'm going to like, right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it's a beautiful metaphor to just follow the trail of, it's almost like fear. If you, if someone says you can't do something, or if there's like something out there that's telling you, even if it's a voice in your head, that's like, I can't do this. That's almost like a North star to that's where you should actually be spending your time. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great way to challenge your self-limiting beliefs.
0: Yeah, for sure. Gosh, Steph, I could talk about all of this with you for hours, but we're getting close to the end here. So talk to me about the book. We've discussed the core four in, in great detail. So what is the book in comparison to the core four? Is it, just tell me more about it, how we can get involved and how people in the community can just be a part of something special that you're building.
1: The core four really walks people through the four pillars in a bit more detail and explains, you know, how can we approach these things from a really nourishing perspective instead of a perspective that's very punishing and restrictive in order to build the habits that lead to more sustainable health? Because I really don't care what you can do for a week. I'm not interested if you can like be hardcore on a diet for a week. Like I don't care. (laughs) I'm interested in what you can do for months, if not years, uh, decades at a time. So the core four walks people through a framework really approaching those those four categories of, of things. And then the second part of the book is a 30-day experience where I challenge people to take action on certain things that will help them build or experience the tools that then they can tuck into their virtual toolbox and dip back into when they need it. So it's it's really a personalized framework. And there are all sorts of things in the book. I mean, there's like recipes and sample meal plans and two levels of workouts and some journaling activities and like prompts to get you to start thinking about some of the more mindset stuff put together in a way that's just I think really fun and a relatively low risk way of experiencing this because I think a lot of times people are like oh my gosh I need to then like be perfect for 30 days and that's not how we do so it's like if you mess up or you know like you just keep going right and that's like you just keep going don't stop. So that's really what the book's about. And yeah, I'm just really excited to get it into people's hands. It's right now on pre-order. The book will be out July 30th. And I have a whole bunch of pre-order bonuses that people can get if they pre-order now on their favorite online retailer. And the book's like 18 bucks on Amazon, which I think is a screaming deal considering what you get inside of it. (laughs) It's really great. So um, they can find out more about the pre-order bonuses at coreforthebook.com and check everything else out on stepgodro.com.
0: Beautiful. We'll make all these resources available, guys. Uh, if you're frantically taking notes, um, <laughs> they will be in the show notes. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm, Steph, I've been watching your journey for a while now. And uh, the consistency of how you show up has always inspired me, not only on, on social, but with your content and your, your podcast is amazing too. For anybody who Enjoyed this conversation. Definitely go check out Harder to Kill uh, and listen to our episode.
1: Yeah. Anyways.
0: All right. Well, Steph, I have one last question for you. Okay. In the midst of everything you've experienced, everything you're doing and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded?
1: Oh, gosh. I really try to honor myself and who I am. And for me, that means a lot of quiet time and a lot of alone time, frankly. like I love to be quiet and be by myself. And I think the more I can embrace that in my life, the more grounded I feel. So trying to not feel pressured to be someone that I'm not. And I don't know if it's being now like 40 and like giving fewer fucks about stuff that doesn't matter to me. but I would say on a daily basis, that's, that's the stuff that I really try to do. Um, I also try to incorporate some kind of movement into my day. It's not always formal exercise, but I find that that movement in my life is one of the ways that I actually connect with myself and connect with my body and how it feels and process emotions and stuff like that. So I would say, yeah, those are, those are some of the things that I do on a daily basis to stay grounded.
0: Beautiful. Well, I learned a ton on this episode, and again, I hope... You guys uh, found everything we talked about to be something that helps you stay grounded on your own journey. But everyone, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Steph. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life.